0: as well, Um, praise God, just to let you know that there are some facilities, like creche facilities, if you need to kind of um, use that and stuff for children, and there's other little bits and pieces as well, just to keep them occupied throughout the service. But just before we come around the word I just want to say thank you, Valerie, for leading us this morning in the worship as well, you know, just a mix of the old with the new, it was just a great time of worship, yeah, praise God. But just as we are still in this attitude of worship, let's just uh, come around the Lord's Word in prayer. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful privilege that we have of gathering around your Word. And Lord, I just want to pray right now, Father, that, uh, that as we gather... Lord Jesus, will you open hearts? Will you open minds? Will you anoint my mouth, Lord God, Father, to be a vessel and a conduit for all that you want to say and speak to your children this morning? And Father, we pray for open hearts. We pray, Father, for a thin atmosphere, Lord, between heaven and earth this day, God, that you may just reach down somehow and touch hearts and minds. And Father, will you... Lord, do all and everything that we do today, Lord. May it all be done to the glory and praise of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. In the year 1440, a German inventor by the name of Johannes Gutenberg invented the humble printing press, which later launched the Reformation and transformed Europe along with the rest of the world. And the year 2007 was a similar year also. Because a man named Steve Jobs, he launched the first ever iPhone into the world. In the same year, Twitter went global and Facebook really took off as they welcomed anyone with a valid email address. And funnily enough, it all began as a young person's thing. But then afterwards, parents and grandparents joined Facebook, causing the young people to mass migrate onto other platforms like Snapchat and Instagram, etc. And so, with the rise of technology and with the explosion of social media 2007 became known as the official year of the digital age. Now, don't get me wrong. I think technology is great. However, the downside to it all is that our brains have been rewired to the point where many have become addicted to their mobile devices. In fact... There was a study that was conducted in 2016. And it found that the average iPhone user touches his or her iPhone approximately 2,500 times per day. And that applies to all smartphone users as well. Now I'm sure that that number is significantly higher given that we are seven years on. True? True. Now, you may say, well, Rana, what's the issue with all of this? Well, this milieu of distraction and addiction is robbing us of our ability of being present to ourselves, to one another, but more importantly, to God. And so, continuing on with the rhythms of grace and Sabbath today, I would like us to explore the often overlooked practice of silence and solitude. And that's the title for this morning's message. And so if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to read from chapter 3 in verse 13 to chapter 4 in verse 3. And it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread and we will stop right there. Praise God. Now, I'm sure you know this story very well. But what I want us to hone in on this morning is the first thing that our Lord does immediately after he is baptized. In that he doesn't immediately go onto social media and post a selfie with the hashtag baptised by cousin John. No. But immediately he goes off into the wilderness. Now, the word for wilderness in the Greek, it is the term eremos. Can you say eremos? eremos. Well done. And it's spelt E-R-E-M-O-S. And this word, it can have a number of different meanings. As in it can be translated as the wilderness or the deserted place, or it could be translated as the solitary place, the lonely or the quiet place. And in all four Gospels, we find a number of stories relating to our Lord's relationship with the Eremos. And so, beginning with our passage in Matthew 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Question. Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into a place where he is wide open and vulnerable for attack? I mean, one day we know that our Lord is going to have to go toe-to-toe with the devil, but why now, especially as he is about to fast for 40 days? Now, as a side note, I've been to this location where it is believed that our Lord fasted, and I can tell you it wasn't a very pleasant place. Because the moment we got off of our lovely air-conditioned coach, I was like, quick, quick get me back onto it because the sun was so blisteringly hot that I couldn't even take being out there for 40 minutes, let alone for 40 days like our Lord without any food or water and so back to the question why does the spirit lead Jesus to a place where he is vulnerable and wide open for attack that was the way in which I used to read this text. But then John Mark helped me realize that actually I had been reading it wrong. Because the Eremos isn't a place of weakness, but rather it is a place of great strength. Because it was in that place of silence and solitude that our Lord was primed and prepared and focused to now usher in his kingdom. That's why the Spirit led our Lord into the wilderness. Hallelujah. Now, going into the Eremos, it wasn't a one-off event for our Lord, but rather he repeatedly would return to that place and he would live out of it. Take, for example, Mark chapter 1. It's essentially our Lord's first day on the job as Messiah, as it were. He's up early in the morning. He's been out ministering all throughout the day, casting out devils, healing the sick, and proclaiming the kingdom. But then in verse 35, we read this. It's the next day. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he'd got up. And went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. And the word deserted place is? The Eremos. You got it. And so, while the Lord is by himself, Simon and the others were looking for him. And when they find him, they they say in effect, Jesus, where were you? Everyone is looking for you. And then the Lord replies with, Let us go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. For this is why I have come. Glory. Note a couple of things. Firstly, it was in that place of silence and solitude with the Father that our Lord is able to discern with crystal clarity what he is to do next. In that he says, let's go to the neighboring town, because I must preach there also. Secondly, after a first full-on day as Messiah, the Lord, he ends day one and begins day two from the Eremos. And so to repeat, the place of silence and solitude... It isn't a one-off event in the life of our Lord, but rather it is a constant rhythm. Amen? Allow me to give you one more. Mark chapter 6. It's where the disciples have their first taste of divine power. As they are given authority and are sent out to basically be like Jesus to cast out devils, to heal the sick, and to proclaim the kingdom. And when they return from their mini-mission, as it were, they are absolutely buzzing. That the demons were fleeing from them, and that devils were subject to them. And I'm sure that the Lord would have rejoiced over them all, kind of like a parent rejoicing with their children. But then in verse 31, seeing the hordes of people gathering that they didn't have enough time for them to catch their own breath or even share a meal together, the Lord says, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. And the term remote place is? The erimos. Yeah. In other words, the Lord doesn't say, I can see that you're exhausted. So just kick back, relax, and watch your favourite show on Netflix. Doesn't say that. Because instead but rather he says, come away in to the Eremos. Because what we need more than Netflix and endless scrolling on social media is time to be spent in the presence of the lover of our soul in that quiet place. Amen. Amen. Now as previously mentioned, this pattern of retreat and return. Retreat and return was a regular rhythm in the life of our Lord. And it's a rhythm that has commonly become known today as the practice of silence and solitude. In fact, I love John Mark's definition of it when he says that it is intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and with God. And then he goes on to give us a word on each. And he says that silence is pretty much self-explanatory. But there are two dimensions to it. Namely, there is external and internal silence. Now, in order to get external silence... We may have to retreat to a quiet corner in the house somewhere or to an open field or a park just to get away from the background noise, be it the TV, the washing machine or the noisy neighbour next door. But that kind of external noise, it can be easily remedied and resolved by us changing our geographical location physically, right? But then... There's the internal noise that goes on within. You know the one. It's the internal chatter that constantly plays out and takes place in our mind. Where our inner critic is constantly calling out our flaws and telling us that we're not quite measuring up. That we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, not pretty enough or cool enough. Oh, how so many of us would love to silence that Voice, Am I right? And so, silence is where we get free from the external and the internal noise. In other words, sheer bliss. Amen. And then, there is solitude. And just to clarify, solitude doesn't mean loneliness. Because as Richard Foster puts it, He says, loneliness is inner emptiness, but solitude is inner fulfillment. You see, living in a world where there is constant flux and noise, it can be a real challenge for us to stay and remain grounded. Because the world around us seems to be given over to the madness of rush and hurry, where everyone wants everything like Yesterday, right? And there are times when it can seem like a bit of a thrill, where everyone is ducking and diving, weaving and dealing, and moving and shaking. But eventually, it will all end in tears. Because essentially, we are not omnipresent, and we cannot be everywhere at once, because we are not God. And if we try to be, it will wreck us and ruin us and so in silence and in solitude we are able to decompress from an overstimulated world and we are able to slow down just long enough to check in on ourselves to reflect on our thoughts and our emotions that perhaps we have been trying to avoid Now, I understand that that can be quite a scary place. Especially when we are confronted with the self. The good, bad and the ugly of our own hearts. Where our insecurities as well as our idols begin to come to the surface. It can be very uncomfortable indeed. What's more is that in this practice of silence and solitude, our hunger and our desire for God, or perhaps the lack of it, will also come to the surface as we get a spiritual reality check. However, as we persevere through this practice we will once again be able to hear the still, small voice of the Lord speaking to us, cutting through the cacophony of competing voices. And as we turn away from the idols of our heart, he will once again receive us, once again. And just like Jesus, we will emerge from that secret place more victorious and more glorious than ever before, being clothed with him. Amen. Amen. You see, if we neglect the eremos, then the more distant to God we become. And the more we resist the quiet place and even our quiet time the more vulnerable and susceptible we become to things like food, alcohol, porn, or you fill in the blank, right? And so, the Lord, seeing our plight and knowing exactly what restores our soul, he says, come away with me and rest for a while in the eremos. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Praise God. You see, it is in that quiet place with the Lord that our spiritual formation takes place. It is in the Eremos that we are liberated from the tyranny of our own fears and doubts, our worries and our anxieties, and even the approval or the disapproval of others. Because it is in that place that we come home to ourselves, but more than that, we come home to a loving Heavenly Father who is absolutely besotted with you. And there is no other place that we would ever want to be. Amen. Amen. Andrew Sullivan, he wrote an article for the New York Times and he was spot on when he said this. He said, modernity slowly weakens spirituality by design and accident in favor of commerce. It downplayed silence and mere being in favour of noise and constant action. The reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproved the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which it might endure or be reborn. If the churches came to understand that the greatest threat to faith today is not hedonism, but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. So true, right? You see... Even the world today is catching on to this ancient practice of silence and solitude. They just call it mindfulness, which has become a buzzword in our day and age. But as John Mark states, mindfulness is essentially silence and solitude for a secular age. But because there is such a backlash and a reaction towards Christendom, Buddhism usually gets the credit. But actually... This practice is more Jesus than it is Buddha because followers of Christ have been practicing this for thousands of years. We just called it prayer, meditation, and contemplation. Right? And so church, I cannot recommend these ancient rhythms enough. Build them into your lives and like our Lord, keep returning to the Eremos on a daily basis and find rest for your souls. And just as we engage in the external practices like preaching and teaching and reaching, etc. Let us also engage in the internal spiritual practices of prayer, fasting, Sabbath, not forgetting, silence and solitude. Because it's not an either or, but rather it is a both and and together. Amen? Amen. As Leonard Ravenhill once said, yes, amen, brother. (laughs) Leonard Ravenhill once said, he said, As we spend time with the Lord in that quiet place, And we will come out of that world into this world with the fire of that world all over us. Ready to herald and proclaim the message of the kingdom. Glory. And so, while we're still in summer holiday mode, and just before life begins to ramp back up come September, let us implement And build these ancient rhythms into our lives. Because as we declutter and make space and simply get away with him, the father will speak to us. He really will. But it's often silenced because we're constantly about doing. But we're not a human doing, we're a human being to simply be with the father. Amen. And so, let us pray the prayer of Samuel and say, Lord, speak for your servant hears. First Samuel 3.10. And let us, like Elijah, get quiet enough that we may hear the still, small voice of the Lord speaking with us. Because as someone once said, it is called the still, small voice of the Lord. Because God is so near to us that he doesn't have to shout. He just needs to whisper. But we often miss him because of the noise and because of our fast pace of life. Where our diaries are just packed, rampacked. There's no margin in there for us just to even take a breath i'm sure we all found that during the times of the pandemic when you was just one zoom call to the next to the next to the next and towards the end there was just zoom fatigue because people are constantly going at it and yet you look at the life of our lord there's a japanese theologian who wrote a book called the 2 mile per hour god or the 3 mile per hour god i forget which because jesus he could have had a fast jet he could have had all sorts of contraptions But he slowed down and he walked because love slows down. And he was present with the one in front. And as Dallas Willard once said, that he was, to describe Jesus in one word, he would say that Jesus was relaxed. He was a non anxious presence in a highly anxious world. And in three years, he changed the whole makeup and the whole face of the world. So if that's the case why do we feel that we need to be on 100 miles per hour going at it hell for leather Are we more spiritual than our Lord that we don't cannot take time out to be with the father right And so it's not doing one to the detriment of the other but it's holding both in tandem It's about coming and being with the Lord and that re-adopting his cycle of retreating to that quiet place and being with Jesus. And then coming back in the work of the mission field, whatever that may be, whatever that may look like. Allowing you time to process in your own thoughts as to what is the Lord saying to us instead of moving on to the next thing. Or if you're on a social media device, slide to the next thing, or slide to the left, or to the right, or wherever it is. That's a song, isn't it? (laughs) I say all of that in short to say, let's slow down. And let's be with a master. Children often spell love, T-I-M-E. Because it's in that place of time with the Lord that we get to know the Father's heartbeat. And that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. As I close, allow me to do so on a practical note through something called the examen. Has anyone heard of the examen? Oh, there's one. I see that hand. Now, the examen, for those who are not familiar, it's a type of silent prayer developed by Ignatius of Loyola who was a Jesuit priest in the 16th century. And it's basically where we reflect upon our day and we discern the movements of God through what he called the consolations and the desolations of the soul. And so, an ideal time to do this would be perhaps midday or even at the end of your day or perhaps both. It's where we just come and we just sit before the Lord in silence where we relax and breathe. And then maybe you may even want to turn your palms up as a symbol of just offering your day before the Lord and in preparation of receiving from his hand. And then just invite the Holy Spirit just to come and to be with you. And then prayerfully review and reflect upon your day And note, when did you sense the presence of God throughout your day? When did you experience his peace, his joy, or his blessing, or in other words, the smile of God upon your life that day? These are the consolations of the soul. So just take a moment and just give God thanks for that. Then... Review your day a second time. But this time, note, when you felt distant from God, perhaps you were overwhelmed, frustrated, disappointed, or angry. These are the desolations of the soul. So again, just take a moment and give them to the Lord. And ask him to give you grace in what you are experiencing at that time. And then maybe you may want to flip your palms over as a symbol of just casting your burdens and your cares unto him, knowing that he's got you and that he cares for you. In short, use the consolations and the desolations of the soul to inform your prayer life. And as you bring them to the Lord, cultivate an attitude of gratitude and receive afresh from the Father's hand because his mercies are what? New every morning. Amen. So that's just one method that we could employ to practice silence and solitude. Or we could go for a walk. Or, if you like journaling, perhaps you could journal your thoughts along with your impressions. But whatever we do, let us not neglect the Eremos, but let us continually go back into that place and let us live in it and let us come out of it, keeping our appointment with the Lord each day. And let us exchange our heavy burden for his life-giving yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light and as we engage with this ancient rhythm I pray that our roots will go deeper into him and may we become fruitful vines and fruitful branches for the glory of his praise and as we get still and slow enough May we hear the master's voice speaking to us because Jesus said, my sheep know me and they know when I call and when he speaks. And it's only in that place when we get still enough and silent enough that the Lord speaks. And that's wonderful in itself. And this is what the scriptures teach and tell us about But it's also backed by scientific evidence as well. They've done studies on people that have got still enough, how they live longer and more, mental health and well-being. All of that, it's all boosted because of what the Master has already spoken in his word. Because the greatest commodity right now, everyone vying for is your attention. And our attention, they say, is becoming reduced more and more, which is why when you go onto a YouTube, in that five seconds before you can click onto that next thing, it's like forever, isn't it? Because they know, you know, and within the first eight or so seconds, if it hasn't grabbed your attention, it's lost because it's dwindling. But as we get quiet, as we get still, then we are able to hear the Master's voice. Say, Lord, speak, for your servant hears. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, we want to thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word. That it not only speaks, Lord God, to our mind, but it also, Father, provides remedies, Father, for our spirit and soul and body as well. How you have carved these ancient rhythms and practices, Father, not to be, Lord, something oppressive, but something to be releasing and freeing and life-giving. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we, Lord, try to practice these, we will never perfect them, Lord. We're always on that journey. But I pray that as we begin and start, Lord God, Father, even small, whether it just is to remain silent for two minutes to set our countdown timers, or five minutes extending that, just as we carve out that time and make time for you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will meet with your children this week, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will begin to find the joy that is found, Lord God, in your easy yoke and your light burden. God, we pray that you will revive and refresh our soul, Lord Jesus. That God, that just as through the practices of prayer and fasting, we're able to cut out those things to get still enough, Lord, to... um, as we do those things, and as we begin to reintroduce food in, back into our diet, Lord, we do so mindfully, knowing what is good and what isn't. Because before that, we're just consuming everything and anything, and before then, it just we become unhealthy, etc. But Father, I just pray from a spiritual perspective that as we get still enough. As we get silent enough, Lord, that we will know the things that we need to perhaps cut out of our lives and the things that we know that we should be doing more of, Lord, that we will incorporate more of that. But above all, I pray that we will meet with you. And Father, we will be led by the sovereign spirit of grace, Lord God, into fresh pastures, Lord God, knowing you more, Lord, and being known by you in that secret place. So Father, we bless your wonderful name and we give you all glory. Give us grace in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen.